0: Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, from our Gospel text, we hear these words towards the end. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. Jesus finishes the Beatitudes with those words, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. And from those words, we are to conclude that what awaits us in heaven is a reward that the world cannot hold on to and cannot value as our Lord does. And that very thing that the world cannot value or hold on to is life itself. In this sermon, I will be uh, pointing out a variety of different things that do pertain to the life that we live as Christians. And I hope to explain the word of life that Jesus speaks as a contrast to the way of life that the world, how it describes how we are to live, and to look to Jesus and not to oneself when we are searching for life's value and what to hold on to. And we're doing this all with the backdrop of it being All Saints Day, the day that we remember Christ's faithfulness uh, to those who died in the faith, and how we might likewise live faithfully. Now, again, the world does not value life. It's not always evident. It's not always something that we uh, are uh, seeing every day in our face. But the world does not value life the way that Jesus does. It only knows, at the end of the day, how to objectify life, abuse life, abort life, or bully life. And the world has tried in vain in several reaches to hold on to life. We know of things from history like uh, the way in which uh, uh, people would have sought to find the fountains of youth in undiscovered places. But it's equally true that today's culture seeks life in other ways. Uh, It's it's peddling of myths are just as wretched. Uh, Myths and things like magazines or on TV where there are all these little secrets to looking and feeling younger, turning back the clock as it were, but they are all reaches at something that cannot be obtained by us. And it's not that they must be mutually exclusive, but a long life is not necessarily a good life or a fulfilling life. Uh, In fact, a long life is not necessarily a faithful life, which is the aim of our Lord, that we would, as we live on earth, no matter how many days our Lord gives us, that we would seek to be faithful in all of them. The Christian in a world such, of, such as ours is not immune to the idolatries that tempt us, that are all around us, to believe in uh, that that life's value is subjective to one's greatest accomplishments. Of course, we're always checking ourselves. We're always thinking about uh, what have I achieved or what have I not achieved, and how does this reflect upon what my, life, uh, my, wife's, my life's worth is, it, we too easily devalue life. And uh, when we do this, it, it only assists us in devalu- devaluing the things that are really important for us, especially on a day like this, on All Saints Day when we might look uh, to even those who have died for the faith, those sainted martyrs who gave up their life, whose lives were cut short for the sake of the gospel. They didn't live long lives, and yet their greatest accomplishments were not that uh, they could look back at one particular thing or another, uh, some sort of project or a lifelong uh, goal or anything of, of that sort or some sort of career. But in fact, their greatest accomplishment in life was being the very uh, 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 heralders of, of the gospel, taking uh, the gospel as far as they could take it before their lives were, were cut short, that people in hearing them would hear Jesus and believe and trust in his word. This, even though their lives were cut short, was uh, that actually points to the greatness of the life that they lived. And it is something to be emulated by us, that we would fill our, our days no matter how many or how little with the word, with the gospel, with the message of Christ's unending love and his mercies having gone to the cross to die for us. Jesus, Jesus submitted his life under the law of God and from this has made the world free that once was in bondage to sin. Though his life was cut short, by his crucif- being crucified, though his life was cut short on the earth in this way, what does the Lord do? What does Jesus do but still reign forever? He reigns forever in heaven and on earth as our resurrected Lord, and he brings us with him in this pilgrimage of our lives on earth, but he brings us into eternity forever and calls us to live as ones, even now, as ones who have eternity in our possession so we don't fear anything in this world we only look to jesus for all that we ever need life is too short to waste it trading truth for comfort we are to seek those things which are above all saints day is a day that definitely brings these sorts of ideas about life into perspective It brings into perspective how how fleeting our lives are, no matter how much we try to create our own kingdoms on earth or making our homes our own kinds of castles or taking on material possessions as the moniker of our status in the world. Jesus does something totally different. Jesus holds the attention of the crowd on the Sermon on the Mount because he preaches something different distinctively contrary, distinctively contrary to our corrupt human nature. Jesus rebukes the snobbish mindset that there are possessions worth more than human life. To Jesus, you are of greater value than his own life. And in Jesus, you have more worth than any riches the world could gather together. Now, Christ gave his life on the cross, not a gesture of his fleeting status, but as his love for a world lost to themselves in sin. He gives his life because ours is unredeemable apart from his. Jesus shows us, in fact, a more excellent way. A more excellent way. He shows shows us what it is to value life and how to hold on to it forever. And it's not through the means and the ways in which the world seeks to direct us. How about we do this? Imagine for a moment that it was discovered that you were part of a royal family. uh, And what belonged to you was a position in this this kingdom, in this royal kingdom. And, of course, if you were to discover this news, if you were to to hear this, uh, it it would be, of course, fitting for you to rejoice and be, and be exceedingly glad that once was uh, an unrealistic fantasy, if it ever were a fantasy of anyone's. It is, in fact, an actuality. That something so bizarre, something uh, completely uh, undue to you is now discovered to be your very, uh, your very reality. Well, your life would be totally turned upside down. It would never be the same again. And in fact, if you learned that news, that you were part of a royal family, and that you had a royal place in the kingdom, you would start the preparations immediately. You wouldn't get comfortable with where you were at. In fact, you would be uh, gearing and, and ready to go, even before you made it to the kingdom. For the Christian, this is no fiction. Jesus has made possible what otherwise belonged to him and he gives it over to you. Jesus has made possible uh, that we are part of his royal kingdom. He fills his kingdom with royal subjects, that's you and I, who are under his kingship but also belong to his royal family. We are to live lives even now in preparations for the kingdom that is to come. We are to live lives of faith on earth, trusting in the King Jesus, and living even now under his direction, even as we will forever live with him in heaven. And to live like this in the world today is not always going to be easy. And I'm sure perhaps you could even share stories with how it is to live your Christian convictions maybe on a, on a campus or in conversations with people who, who may not uh, believe in Jesus as you do, it's not always an easy path. We listed earlier the, the martyrs. We heard about what, G, what happened to Jesus and his speaking about himself in the gospel. Well, we see that it is a narrow and a less traveled road to follow Christ. And this narrow and less traveled road, there are many exits off of it. Highways, in fact, popular highways, that not many of the everyone who is invited um, will uh, will stay on the narrow path. And this is a great shame and sadness that we Christians have to endure. But we are called to live in this, in this way, to follow the gospel, to believe in the truth, even when it bucks popular uh, thoughts about who Jesus is, we are to follow our Lord to the end of our lives. Jesus not only says, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. But he also adds to that statement, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus understands that the way in the Christian life is not always going to be an easy one. And this is a really important point for us to hear. Jesus sees our Christian life differently than how so many go about their lives without him. You are to be different in the world than how the world expects you to act or to get along with their secular program. You are to live, as Jesus says, blessed when others revile you and persecute you. And that's... That's an interesting statement by Jesus, because it's, it's hardly what we imagine when we consider ourselves blessed. Um, I could probably just take one second for you to recall the zero chances, perhaps, that you have rejoiced and were glad when all kinds of evil was spoken falsely about you. You probably weren't saying to yourself, hashtag blessed, when those things were happening to you. In fact, you were probably pretty mournful and sad that people would say something so awful about you. We would rather, in this world, avoid such controversies and confrontations. It's who we are. We don't want to have problems with our neighbors. And we don't want to have problems, especially about religious things. But Jesus calls us again to that more excellent way, speaking the gospel, speaking the truth in love, being Christians, daring to be uh, Lutherans in the world confessing Jesus boldly and proudly that he is the way, the truth, and the life and that we're going to follow him no matter what because he loves us, has died for us, and is bringing us from this valley of uh, sorrow and tears into his everlasting kingdom. Well, this is true of us sinners, that we must hear about the Beatitudes in a different way than what perhaps they're often misinterpreted. Uh, because the, the Beatitudes are often interpreted as something that we must do, but they're actually about what Jesus does for us. That uh, He's the one who brings to us the remembrance of the, the truth of the gospel, how he truly loves us, no matter how many evils are spoken against us. In the Beatitudes, we can get bogged down uh, in our gospel text, the Beatitudes. We can get bogged down with a, a list of instructions of how we might navigate this, this pilgrimage of, of living the Christian life, li- living it boldly. But in fact, uh, this list is not about what we see in the Beatitudes, but it's all about who we see in the Beatitudes. You are to see Jesus there, and you are to see all that he does for you, and to seek to take your place in his kingdom, and uh, maybe you'd be happy to hear that it would take too too much time to go through each one of the beatitudes individually. But uh, for our purposes this evening, I want to just take up one, and it's the first one. And the first beatitude really sets up the rest of them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now watch this. It's about Jesus for you. When we look to the gospel, and and we look to the gospel to describe the cross that Jesus bore for the world, we hear him declare his atonement, his taking on our sins at the cross, and we hear in the gospel Jesus crying out, it is finished, his, his word of accomplishment for having canceled our sin. And here's what the text says, following what Jesus uh, declares here. So Jesus says it is finished, and then after he says this, it's written, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now there is nothing more poor in spirit than that, than for Jesus to give up his spirit for you. His is the kingdom of heaven, and it comes to you, not by how you live your life, but how Jesus gave his life to truly make you alive, to make you holy, calling you to repentance, calling you to faith. This is all the work of Jesus for you. That's what the Beatitudes are calling us to see, all that Jesus does for you, for your salvation. Our Revelation text says something very similar. Uh, uh, Our Revelation text, our first reading, They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. It sounds like something that we do. But in fact, without Jesus, it's an impossible task. It's not that you are blessed by the Beatitudes that you do, or that you have washed your heavenly robe apart from Jesus. Instead, it's because Jesus is the blessed one. And is the one who shed his blood for you, that he has made possible a life greater than the one that any one of us could create for ourselves. Your life on earth is for a lifetime, but his for you is forever. That is to say, a lifetime is really not all that long when you consider it against the lives of so many people that have come before us in this world. A long life is not necessarily our goal, even though, of course, I would love for each and every one of us to live long lives. A life of faith, that is the life that Jesus calls us into. So it doesn't matter how long or short it is that we live on earth, but we are to live faithfully over seeking longevity. We are to live as ones who stand up to all kinds of persecutions, who stand up to all kinds of mistruths, who stand up for the gospel because the gospel speaks not only about others but our very own salvation as well. And that salvation is something that many before us have received from Jesus and have died in the faith uh, confessing to their dying breath. And that's one of the things about All Saints Day that can make it quite difficult. I know I've personally struggled on All Saints Day with the many people, the many loved ones, that I call into my own remembrance who have died in the faith. And it's very easy to become plagued by wonderful memories of those loved ones separated from us by death. However, what awaits you in heaven is life, your life alongside the lives of others who believe in Jesus. The book of Revelation describes the kingdom of heaven as a temple and the king as the one who will shelter his saints with his presence. Jesus is described as the lamb in the midst of the temple's throne who shelters his royal subjects by guiding them to springs of living water. And that means that Jesus has you drink from a well that does not go dry, and he settles you alongside others in the kingdom that has no end. What's more... What's more is the promise that comes out of Revelation about this kingdom that is ours through Jesus. It says that God will wipe away every tear in this place, in the kingdom of heaven. God will wipe away every tear. And from those words we can conclude that in heaven there are no memories to separate us from the ones we love since the ones we love are those who live forever in the kingdom of heaven with us. The crowds, they journeyed to hear Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Today, let us journey. Let us journey, as the crowds did, up the mountain to where Jesus is seated on the throne of God, not exiting downward, but by faith becoming transported out of this great tribulation and into the kingdom of heaven. Let us anticipate this. Let's prepare for it now before we enter God's kingdom. Live as Christians now in the world through repentance and faith. Let us listen to Jesus as he opens his mouth and teaches us the blessed gospel concerning himself and how salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And may we worship both now and when we also gather together in that coming kingdom, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And amen.